people at the end of the day are participating in something because they understand that there is going to be a benefit. Welcome to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle. I'm excited to have you here today. At our show, we're all about helping you in the pursuit of your best body, mind, spirit, and life. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to have you for today's episode. I've got John Dwyer with me. John's a husband, a father, the CEO of Game Lancer Media, and I think you're going to love hearing his story, their company story, and we're going to have a great conversation today. John, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to today. Um, I want to jump in. I love sharing people's stories because I think in that there's a lot we can learn from it. So why don't you tell us a bit of your backstory of what led you to where you are today? Yeah, I, I got into uh, to the media space working for a company called Aquilini Game Co., uh, which became a public vehicle uh, and acquired uh, an asset called Luminosity uh, and then uh, merged with, uh, with a company called Enthusiast Gaming. So I was there for a short period of time, uh, and the focus was on uh, gaming with a media vertical. And so what I saw was this unique opportunity where there was a, a variety of, uh, so to speak, channels uh, on TikTok, Instagram, and Snap where people were spending time watching videos, commenting, sharing, bookmarking, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, but there really wasn't anybody aggregating you know, not just the sites, but creating a voice. And then, you know, essentially that whole network that's being created, uh, that the media distribution therein, you know, can be sold. And so for a variety of reasons, people didn't see that opportunity in TikTok and Snap. Uh, and I think increasingly you're seeing it now. Uh, mm. But but that was kind of the thought process and uh, started in more the, the gaming vertical, but, but definitely saw social uh, and the idea of gaming as being a, a source in the content space, uh, uh, something that's very, very important. Cool. So that led you to now Game Lancer Media. And for everyone that's unfamiliar with them, let's talk a little bit about what the company does and what you guys are up to. Yeah, Game Lancer is a, a media and entertainment company that owns uh, digital channels across TikTok, Instagram, and Snap. And we also have uh, a production studio called Joybox Studios which affords us the ability to produce everything from a full-length feature film down to 15-second TikTok, uh, um, uh, both ads and organic videos. Uh, and so we distribute across these 54 channels about 120 to 140 videos every day. Mm -hmm. uh, we own marquee channels like At Gaming, At Gamer, At eGirl, and a variety of other iterations. And then other channels uh, on Snapchat on a platform called Snap Discovery. So... Our, our main focus is to consistently curate a viewing experience for our audience, which is now just under 41 million people, 65% of which live in the United States. Hmm. We're curating an experience every day for them on each of these individual channels mm -hmm. that is based on a preference, right? So the idea is hmm. we host a network of 54 channels that is built to speak to all the sub-demographics in that 12 to 40-year-old what we call the Gen Z and young millennial demo. Mm. So being able to reach that is, is a really difficult thing for advertisers to do. So our thought process is we host all of these channels, we produce content, so we treat it like television, and we create this flywheel, which I know is, is an overused term, but nonetheless, it's a flywheel where we're producing content on the daily, distributing it on our channels, people come back to watch it, and then we're creating advertisements that, that we, were, we we describe as digitally native. So they're they're meant to live digitally, not on television or other platforms. Mm. And more specifically, they're built to perform 
on TikTok and Snap. And, mm -hmm. and so a video that performs on TikTok will have nearly 90% of the performance characteristics on Instagram Reels and will identically, not identically, but perform exceptionally well on Snap as well. So all of these characteristics in any given day are going to inform how successful your video is. And that's kind of at the at the, the crux of who we are is, you know, this ability to to turn video, but but to really have our our hand on understanding what's Vogue uh, from day to day. Hmm. So cool. I, I love every time I hear the story. I love it. I love what you guys are doing. And I guess for you, as, as you've been building this company and, you know, going to new levels, of course, what have you found for yourself personally? I mean, you lead a, you know, a good sized team and everything. What have you found for yourself as you're running this? Some of perhaps the, the leadership values or success values that have allowed you guys to continue growing and, and going on to all new heights. Um, I think principle in that is, is understanding that the company is bigger than, than any one person. Uh, the goal of the business is bigger than me. It's bigger than, you know, any of my colleagues, but I see this business in many ways as a sum of its parts. So we have principals around the table, officers and directors who are meaningful parts of management that own massive por portions of the company. So we have, you know, 59% insider ownership. So that allows for a really unique working environment where you've got people with a, you know, a company's got a cumulative uh, market market cap of about 68 to 70 million dollars on a fully diluted basis and so you know there's meaningful money to be had but you know the unique opportunity here is we all the shareholders on the inside fundamentally understand that the market has really not a clue as to where we're going and more importantly how tiktok is about to turn on the jets on monetization and how snapchat is a is a misunderstood story for a variety of reasons but nonetheless we've got an asset class and we've got a group of people around a story that are committed. And so for me, when I think of leadership in this company, and every business is different. I've run a company, it was called Flax Energy. I ran it for seven years. It mm -hmm. had some spectacular failures. It had some spectacular wins. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been in you know, agriculture to, uh, to the metals business and, and, and in, uh, in, in media principally the past, let's say, six years. But and also all through the lens of capital market. So really capital origination is something that I bring to the table as well. You know, Game Lancers raised $36 million. Uh, through that, I've run the book on on, on really all of it. The, the $10 million that we just raised uh, to, in, to, in order to uplist the TSX uh, was brokered. The TSX asked us to broker a specific portion of it. Now, Echelon was the lead, but we did 84% of the book. Wow. Um, there was only 400 and <laughs> yeah. There was only 450k of institutional money, which we're happy about because it means you know we're not going to see all these guys on the offering. But you know, nonetheless, we we we've we've all led, and so my focus in leadership has been about how do I continue to put the right ammunition around all of these studs? You know, like mm. everybody in from our CMO Sam Park and Kamar Burke who run Joybox to you know our customer success team to. Max Demeray, uh, who, you know, is my business partner in this and Mike Cotton, our co-founder, mm -hmm. Raz Romanescu and Darren Lopez. It's, it's a really big team from the sellers group to our customer success team and beyond that all understand what we do. There's not one part of the business that's not familiar with the other. So I have all of these people, this panoptic view of the company. Mm -hmm. And so I put myself in the, in the shoes of I'm just in the business of making these people better every day. And so mm -hmm. I have a variety of opportunities to provide 
you know, them the support they need, which is like on the ground with them, helping them make decisions throughout the day, which mm -hmm. is providing the capital to ensure that the company has the ability to grow and, and be acquisitive in the right moments. Mm -hmm. And it's having the right partners from a capital market standpoint to help us articulate our story, especially to the retail market, which we know is a tough go, mm -hmm. uh, especially, you know, any, in any time, but, but not least of which at the moment. And so all of these things for me, uh, what I just continue to double down on is I'm surrounded by really bright, committed people. Mm -hmm. And so I just got to keep their fuel. I, I have to, my, my father who passed away a few years ago, who was a, a tremendous thinker and, and, and uh, uh, really, I think had a lot of brilliant ideas that didn't naturally put a lot of them into, into work. And, and he would, he would agree that, that that would be something funny in terms of, he had a lot of businesses he started, but none of them really, you know, were super successful. And so mm -hmm. a lot of that is imbued in me. I, I I grew up seeing a guy really take some shots, really try to make it happen, mm -hmm. but he couldn't. And I think one of the reasons my dad wasn't super successful was because he didn't have partners. He didn't mm -hmm. invest in the people around him. And so that's something that I spend a lot of time on. You know, mm -hmm. um, one of my fellow board members, Storm Boswick, storied Wall Street guy, uh, you know, started his career at Goldman Sachs as a media analyst and now as uh, one of our largest investors and board members. We, he talks to me a lot about tuning each other up. And so we talk to our team. We're, we're always trying to tune each other up. And we're always in this state of not necessarily repair, but mm -hmm. as operators and as people that are part of the business, we're always understanding we got to grow and having that sense of humility to know that, that there's always this ability to get better. Mm -hmm. Those would be the two qualities that I've kind of relied on most, which is understand I have partners and nurture that relationship and help them grow. And then understand that not only me, but all of us have to have that sense of humility that we don't have all the answers. We mm -hmm. understand the space. We are digitally native thinkers, mm -hmm. but there is so much to be uncovered. And so that attitude, I think, is what what really drives us. I love that, man. I think that's so great. You think about you know having the right people in place and equipping them and giving them what they need uh, combined with that, you know, as Tony Robbins says, that constant never ending improvement, always looking for the next level of edge. I, I have a question for you because a lot of people listening are running their own business of some kind and or they're in, you know, corporate leadership, whatever it may be. And I know this is the great question of every company and every leader is how do I bring in great talent? So you've you've done that where you've surrounded yourself with some amazing people. And what tips might you give in terms of someone that says, yeah, I mean, I, I want to do that too. <laughs> what advice would you give on that? Yeah, double down on the emotional IQ of the people, right? Um, you know, nobody's perfect at hiring. It's, it's, it's an imperfect science, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many picadillos to each individual, right? There, there, there are idiosyncrasies that you could never uncover until the 30th day of working together, right? So, mm. you know, you've got to be flexible in that approach and understand that if you make a commitment to somebody who joins your team, right? You say, hey, this is the person. Mm -hmm. They are coming in to do job X and I believe they're going to be really successful at it. And then they're not. You got to identify that as soon as possible. Be honest with yourself. Be mm -hmm. honest with the people around you. Say, hey, I think we might have made a bit of a mistake here. Let's mm -hmm. make some changes. Mm -hmm. That is especially nowadays, right? Because there's an interesting dynamic happening in tech and media. Mm -hmm. We come from uh, this changing in the economic paradigm to the extent that, you know, the jobs uh, that were so prevalent at the Shopify's of the world and at these massive companies that still in their own right are doing well. 
-hmm. but there's been this massive retrenchment and hiring has just created a, a relative dearth of opportunities. So what we're seeing is really high quality candidates coming across, you know, from a lot of different organizations, but oftentimes the higher up that they were at these organizations, the least, the, the, the lesser, you know, their effectiveness will be in an organization like ours. Right. So <laughs> when you see somebody that comes from something, you know, with a big job title before, especially in this marketplace, people are saying, yeah, you know what, maybe I made some money. I'm, you know, mid to late forties. Here's a company that's a startup that's maybe about to get to cash flow positive. It's one of the companies that's going to make it. And the startup saying to themselves, I need somebody who's a little bit older to be part of this story to help us. You know what I mean? And it communicates mm. well to investors. Mm. You can make decisions. And I, I, I say this because I've, I've, you know, I'm a mentor to a few other folks in, in, that are building their own companies and, and just naturally hear stories. Mm -hmm. And I see this yearning from uh, startups that are about to be cash flow positive to have more, call it the gray hair around the table. Mm. But uh, you've got to choose that person really, really well. And if mm. that decision doesn't make sense 30, 60, 90 days after, don't be, don't be afraid to say you were wrong. Mm. You know, a lot of times, especially in these markets, investors and your board and your colleagues, and this is, you know, the talking like founder to founder, CEO to CEO kind of talk, um, they're going to want to see a sense of, uh, of confidence, but also mm. an analytical ability to, to always double check the decisions that you've made down the road because the world is changing. You know, we, we could go into a scenario uh, of, of two additional rate hikes, right? And, and, and what does that, you know, what, what, how do we see that playing out in terms of access to capital and stability at home and all these kind of things? So, mm -hmm. you know, people are going to be impacted by that. So what founders need to do and what CEOs and, and other folks that are in decision-making in this market is you've got to put on, you know, there's a reason they put blinders on a horse, right? Mm -hmm. Because seeing the other horse is not doing you any good. You mm -hmm. just got to go. Mm -hmm. So make decisions, uh, be okay with them potentially not being the right ones in, in however long down the road and be nimble and check in with your partners. Be like, hey, is this working for you like you thought it would? Mm -hmm. And and be nimble, but and be aggressive at the same time. But, you know, I think I think that's really what uh, what people need to do. They need to find that part of their instinct that got your company to wherever it is today. And now mm -hmm. going into a market where, again, access to capital is going to continue to decrease. Mm -hmm. I mean, we went to market just, this is public knowledge, Game Lancer. I went to market seven weeks ago with a six million, to raise $10 million in order to uplist the TSX with a $6 million president's list. Mm -hmm. And we had three investment banks as part of the syndicate, mm -hmm. right? And 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 it just came up a goose egg from the investment bankers. So, you know, we had to go back into the market and just make it happen, mm. right? And that's the attitude. Like whatever part of your psyche or your experiences that people have to draw on on this market to give it that extra, whatever it is, um, mm. to write a bigger check yourself if you're in that, you know, situation to just show others that you're committed, now's mm. the time, right? Mm. There's, there's never been a more uh, um, pivotal moment, I think, in every business than showing your investors you can survive the next 12 months hmm. and showing them you can thrive in this in this marketplace. Man, that's so good. So good. I think as I listen to you say that, one of the things I can tell that you have done well is that ability to make decisions, not necessarily knowing it's going to be the perfect decision, but willing to let's do it. And then if we need to readjust and I think that a lot of people, what holds them back, whether it is starting their own company or perhaps they're running one today or they want to move up is, is the, uh, the fear of the wrong decision. 
And so instead they stay in indecision, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I, I love it. I mean, one of the hallmarks of successful people is they make quick decisions and then, yeah, I mean, you may need to readjust and it's okay if you do, it's all part of the process. So, so good. So good. Um, another question I have for you too. One of the things I find is that with a lot of people when they're, you know, growing their companies, they want to move in leadership is, is they struggle at times with things like micromanaging or feeling like they need to control everything. And yeah, I guess what, what kind of advice would you give to someone in that position? Yeah, I'm not a micromanager. So that would be, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I am to the extent that I, I'm an objective thinker. Uh, so I think, you know, objective in the sense that we have a timeline in order to accomplish a strategy. And within mm -hmm. that, there are a variety of different objectives. And there are people that are going to accomplish tasks within that space that, on, you know, on a cumulative basis is going to get us to where we need to be. So that's kind of how I look at it. And then 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 go into who I'm going to trust to do what job. And mm -hmm. I really like to lead if I can. Again, it's my company is like we're 50 you know, employees. So it's mm -hmm. it's easier for me to say this than if we were 5,000. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, in my business, I lead through a sense of who am I trusting on specific tasks that I can just understand that we mutually have uh, an idea of what's expected. Uh, and uh, and I can just, in, you know, as an expectation in my head, put it to bed, you know, to mm -hmm. say, I know person X is doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to have some sort of routine in your head. And, and again, I'm just going from my own experience. Mm -hmm. Where you have, you know, in my case, uh, uh, my our our, uh, our VP of operations is my right hand guy on a day to day, because he is talking. He knows all of the individual tasks that are going on throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in a way, I get a lot of my view of the company uh, from him. And then mm -hmm. on an ad hoc basis, throughout each day, I'm interacting with any variety of people. But I also have, you know, scheduled meetings in the middle. But I'm not digging into. Uh, um, what part of the task that they're in yeah. and then diving into like, let's say we've got a campaign, we're launching a campaign right now for um, uh, I'm trying to think we put the press release out. We haven't. So it's for a, a gaming business, a very, very successful gaming business with a large private equity backing out of New York yeah. that has historically has been a massive spender on TikTok. Uh, TikTok has stopped vice. So there's no alcohol, there's no cannabis, there's no tobacco. And, and really none of that existed. But there was an era where gambling was somewhat allowed. Mm -hmm. So Game Lancer is a joint business partner of TikTok, 16th joint, joint business partner of TikTok globally. So we do a lot of unique work with them. So mm -hmm. uh, the reason I'm, I'm using this example is we're going to bring this client back into the TikTok ecosystem and we are going to gently integrate gambling aspects mm -hmm. uh, into these videos to drive people to go to their platform because there is demand, obviously. It's mm -hmm, just curating sure. it in a, in a way on TikTok that that they don't knock it off the, uh, the network. So in that case, this is a really pivotal moment for the business. We know that we have to nail this. I've got four people that are accomplishing a variety of different tasks, you know, that are leading the charge on this campaign. I'm going to trust these four people that, you know, we understand what has to happen. I've been uh, from every level of a media organization to understand what execution needs to look like. And these people that are kind of deputized to then there and deputize themselves to kind of accomplish goals A through Z, understand what a finished product looks like. So we're all moving in the same direction. Mm -hmm. If we drop the ball, then we isolate it and our VP of operations and I and, and others around the table will start to look, take a, a diagnostic look at what went wrong. Mm. So was it a communication issue? Did we not use the Slack channels that we were talking about? All these kind of things that you can kind of circle back on. 
But, mm-hmm. you know, when you, and, and again, this is just where our business is. And I don't think maybe I could have said this a year ago with the same style of confidence, but right. when you have real pros and people that have demonstrated to you that they're really capable, you have to trust them to execute. You know, you can't, because yeah. if you dig in too early, you dig in too hard on a topic because for some reason you read something in a book yesterday about management. Now you're going to change your moves and go in and stick your nose into the middle of a project. That operator could feel a million different types of ways about yeah. about your interaction with them. And now you're taking their eye off the ball. So you yeah. are, it's got to be binary. You got to trust them to get their job done right. uh, or you have to have a different management style. Yeah, that's great, man. I think that keyword trust right there is is so important in doing that. Um, I'm, I'm curious for you, because I know you, one of the things about the entrepreneurial journey is it is full of setbacks, challenges, upsets, everything. And I, I guess that's life. It's not just the entrepreneurial journey, but it does seem that uh, we go through that a, a fair bit. <clears throat> what would you say for yourself? I, I can guarantee you've been through your share of them. How do you personally handle adversity and challenges? What, what do you use if, if like something just throws you a curveball? And yeah. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of them in business and, and in life too, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm a very, uh, my natural disposition is just to be a fairly happy guy. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who spends a lot of time with me will say that, mm-hmm. but also have a, a relative sense of, you know, intensity about winning. And I think that is mm-hmm. derived from failing. Right. So in my first business, I built the third largest biodiesel factory in Canada, right in the Toronto Portlands on, on um, Unwin Avenue at the bottom of Cherry Street. And that business failed. Right. Mm-hmm. But we had a food side and an animal feed side of the business that was able to survive on. But that was a hard, a hard loss. You know, I sure. did a TED talk talking about this and then that, that business failed. Subsequent yeah. to that, uh, uh, so the, I should say that the fuel side of it failed, but we had a successful animal feed business. Mm-hmm. Um, subsequent to that, I ran a company called Arius Technologies and okay. I was taking it public uh, and, and went to the board uh, with a fully baked plan uh, to take this business public and had full support. And I ended up uh, losing the board vote. Uh, mm. And then subsequently was voted off, uh, voted out as CEO. Wow! And it was, uh, it, yeah, it, it was a jarring experience. You know, I, sure. I had, uh, in order for something like that to happen, you know, you really get a sense that that you know you the that the board has lost faith in you by virtue of performance. You mm. know, and it and it does take you some time to really reconcile what mm. happened. You know, and so in that case it was a function of, of a power bid and it was a function of board members with, you know, a variety of different uh, outcomes in mind that may not have aligned with mine. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't something that was personal. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of, you kind of get to that state in your career and in, in terms of your personal psychology and how you're able to move, you know, as a, as a person and not lose part of yourself going through these, right. Cause mm-hmm. you can lose a sense of humanity and a sense of care for what you're doing and what you're building especially on Bay street, you know, or wall, you know, wall street, wherever you may be, wherever you may work. But, you know, in our business, I've always been the, the capital origination. I, I've got a, a, you know, a great group of investors, folks that have continued to kind of come with me on, on separate rides and in different companies. Um, and so bringing that to bear has always been something that is, uh, um, is, is very powerful uh, mm-hmm. as being an operator. And it gives you a, uh, a real sense of the fact that, People at the end of the day are participating in something because they understand that there is going to be a benefit. There's going to be, you're building intrinsic value, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that value is going to be represented in the securities issued out of treasury being more worth more tomorrow than they were today. 
And so if you really break it down in, in, into the most simplistic terms, that's what we're doing, right? So we're mm. building something special mm. and people are investing in it. And as the operator, you have a duty. You have a duty to accomplish whatever goals you've communicated to the market and turn a sense of profitability to the extent that you know you're seeing accretion in the in, in the in the the cost per per share rising, whether it's a public or a private deal. Mm. So all of the hard things that I've endured in my career have made me understand that the market is full of uh, of themes that recur, which we all know. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, you know, people have motives that uh, may be different tomorrow than they are today. Mm -hmm. uh, and that may, you know, you can see that, you know, present itself at the board level or in management. But oftentimes, you know, if if you just surround yourself with people that you can, uh, you can trust by virtue of seeing them execute in the market, you know, you have aligned goals. So you both mutually have ownership in, in, in a company together and you share a vision Ideally, you can be in management together. Ideally, you know, they have a large portion of shares. So they're, they're officers and directors of the company. And that creates a bulwark, that uh, uh, almost a rampart in a way to, to really um, uh, allow management and the board to kind of execute in the absence of uh, motivations that may be derived from profitability that's not, you know, at the core of what's best for the business. So, so the experiences of, of maybe not getting my way, the experience of being pushed out of boards or fired from a job or mm -hmm. having a product line com completely go to zero, the best thing that ever happened to me. And mm -hmm. I know people say that and, and it's, it's incredibly cliched, right? It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, another, you know, another Ted talk with intentional breathing and a, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that it, it genuinely has because it, it is a grit that especially our generation, I'm 39, born in 1983. So, mm. you know, am I a millennial or a Gen X? I, I'm probably a millennial. And uh, and our generation increasingly is viewed through a jaundiced eye because we're, we're told that we're softer, right? Mm. We're told that we're not as, you know, as as uh, um, uh, tough, for lack mm. of a better description, as the generations that came before us. And I think that that's a misnomer. I, I have a business that's populated by, by mostly Gen Z people. Mm -hmm. And they are some of the grittiest, and brightest operators that I've, you know, worked with in a career that has had everything from, you know, 75, 70, 75 year old operators acquiring their businesses and going through those processes mm -hmm. down to, you know, acquiring the business of a 23 year old kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that being that dynamism, being able to kind of work with all, you know, different age groups and, and be able to integrate people and all for the sake of, uh, of pursuing, you know, the value that we all agree is, is at the end of this road. Um, mm -hmm can only really be accomplished when you when when the world's beat you up a little bit because yeah. this idealism that you see in in the youtube videos from the the quote founders groups and uh it's just not realistic and i think you know in the absence of froth which is what we currently are in this in this uh, uh in this market uh where where the velocity of capital is slowed down to a crawl um mm -hmm. we're going to see who the real operators are we're going to see right. who's tough and who can make it and, and i'll tell you yeah. we're going to be standing we're going to be standing yeah. the whole time. Yeah. So good, John. So good, man. I think that, uh, you know, it, everybody probably has a story in their life. If they look back that whether it was business or personal, but a, like when you got, you know, voted out by the board, I can imagine it's not the best feeling when that's happening. Right. And all the <laughs> doubts and uncertainties and questions and all that stuff. And, but to be able to take the lessons, as you said, and, and, you know, I, I'm sure you would say it, but had that not happened, would you be where you are today? 
you know? Yeah, absolutely not. No. Yeah. So cool. Um, I want to go back to something we were talking about earlier. So switching gears a little bit, you talked about, uh, and I, I don't know much about this. So I'm quite curious about it, but you talked about, you can correct me if I'm saying this in the wrong way, but the, the upcoming of the, this isn't how you phrased it, but the new way of TikTok monetization. And, and can, can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. So understanding TikTok and its value can be seen through a variety of different lenses. So the first is, why has TikTok not evolved the way that, for instance, YouTube, have, YouTube has? Uh, mm -hmm. There's a ton of different reasons uh, as to why that, that is. Uh, principally, you know, it, you're not seeing any programmatic advertising on TikTok. So TikTok is just providing you a fully encapsulated video screen. So you're seeing just the video that you intend to see. There's no ad unit. So an ad unit is when you have links embedded you know, in the URL that you're viewing okay. such that you can click it and it takes you to another website. All right. of the, right. you know, I don't know if we swear on this podcast you, you, you or not. But all, can. Yeah. Perfect. All the bullshit ads that you see on, on any variety of websites that you're heading to. Yeah. And that style of media has been, you know, ebbing for quite some time. And and what's come in its way is what we would describe as, um, as, as just direct media, which mm -hmm. is this ability to only storytell when people are either captured by the image they're seeing and they're spending time with you, or mm -hmm. if you've curated a relationship by serving them videos consistently over a period of time, and now you've, again, created a relationship. So mm -hmm. on YouTube, it, it's been an absolute beast. In 2000, around 2014, uh, YouTube started to open up YouTube schools where you could actually go in and and start uh, a multi-channel network. So they okay. rolled out what are called MCNs and this phenomenon of MCNs, which, you know, to in, in, you know, folks inside you know the industry who know digital uh, social or digital media in any capacity, you know, it's been like the economic powerhouse for the rise of the creator. Mm -hmm. um, but in many ways, the arbitrage on owning YouTube channels uh, is not over, but it, it's certainly waning. Um, you know, my business partner, Max Demeray, uh, was a principal at, um, scale lab, which was one of the largest multi-channel uh, networks on YouTube in the U S he had, you know, 500 million monthly video views, wow. uh, sorry, 5 billion monthly video views, about <clears throat> 230 million subscribers. And as Max had described it to me, you know, when they started, the margins were 15%. When mm -hmm. they sold the business, the margins were four to five. Right. And, and as these platforms grow and monetization becomes the central theme, you see the kind of creator and the creativity, you do get a sense that that's, that, that's the juggernaut behind what's driving uh, engagement. And, and in many ways it is. But the, the viewing experience on, on YouTube is one where it's massively interrupted by sure advertisements. Whereas again, TikTok isn't. So now TikTok is a standalone entity serves you short form videos. So anywhere from a five to 20 second video, and now they're going long form, they're going two to, to five minute videos, even longer. Mm. But typically the viral videos are short form and it served you on, on infinite scroll, which means you could just sit there for days and scroll and scroll. Mm -hmm. So our thought process was if you own the channels on TikTok, mm -hmm. similarly to how folks has, have owned multi-channel networks on YouTube, mm -hmm. it's about when monetization becomes turned on. So mm -hmm. at the moment we own... 54 channels across TikTok, Instagram, and Snap. Our mm -hmm. 12 biggest channels on uh, TikTok account for about 30 million of our 41 million followers. And these large, what we call amplifier channels, like at gaming is 10.4 million followers. And again, that's 67% in the United States. Mm -hmm. So we use this channel as an amplifier. So ESPN, 
uh, our, our ESPN Disney is a client of ours, and we work on uh, ESPN uh, Pac-12 football as well as Monday Night Football. So we will curate activations uh, where, you know, last year we did uh, third week of December. We had Nick Bosa from the 49ers and Aaron Jones from the Packers. We flew to their respective areas. They played Fortnite against each other in VR, talking about the coming game next Monday. We ran it on our at gaming handle for the week preceding the game. And we drove throughout that, you know, throughout the NFL season, we drove 1.3 million new subscriptions to ESPN plus. Wow. So we're a big provider for them. Wow. So like, how are we monetizing? Right. That is an experience where I own a channel mm-hmm. and I am populating video every day. So I'm keeping you coming back and then you're sharing it with your friends and you're bookmarking and you're commenting it and other people are seeing the algorithm continues to favor it. And so now we're in a position, Game Lancer started in 2019, and, and now we're here in 2023, and we've got the largest gaming community on the planet on TikTok and Snap, and TikTok doesn't offer monetization yet. So mm. think about it. We we own the land, and we're sitting mm-hmm. on gold, and mm-hmm. they're just saying, hey, we just haven't given you the pickaxe yet. You're going to get the axe. We all know the gold is there. Mm. So what we're doing is our model is, we double down on direct media. So we monetize in two ways. Our first is selling campaigns. So we're the agency of record for Samsung Canada. We do a lot of work with RBC in the uh, Samsung as well in the US. Do a lot of work with ESPN and, and a variety of other entities. We've got two live campaigns in across Australia right now with regional banks. Mm. Our, our network organically reaches 21% of the Australian population. Wow. Uh, it's incredible. How, yeah, the growth is the growth is staggering. So we sell media just like we treat it like television. Mm-hmm. But what's happening is TikTok is getting slow, closer and closer to monetizing the channel. So, mm-hmm. and, and what that means is, so you have this opportunity now to look at uh, the amount of inventory you're creating. So in media, if, if you can get a thousand views, you can sell that thousand views. It's called your CPM for, let's say, $13. Let's choose a number. Sure. So you say for every thousand views that I generate, I'll pay you $13. That's mm-hmm. essentially what the brand is saying. Mm-hmm. Our network generates over 2.1 billion monthly video views. We currently sell against less than 3% of our inventory. Mm-hmm. And our inventory grows, grows by a rate of 35,000 people a day. So this opportunity is unique. So as a joint business partner of TikTok, they just started the first monetization program. It's called the TTCC program. Okay. It's run out of TikTok, New York, and they chose 90 creators. Uh, 20 of them were Game Lancer creators and TikTok brings us the brands. We curate the videos and then they just run it on the For You page. So Game Lancer gets a 10% rip on every video that's populated, mm. but a majority of the economic goes to the creator. And here's why that's important because it's sustainable. Mm-hmm. If a company like ours starts hoarding the economics and these deals, it's going to mm-hmm. die, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is what's really important about how TikTok is growing, being very thoughtful. Um, and, and, and we have to be there and really thoughtful about, we have an ability to sell uh, media on our own channels and keep all the economics. But when mm-hmm. we work with TikTok and the creator community, you want to see the economics evenly distributed because that's what's going to allow for scale. And so we want to be part of the fabric of what is scaling at TikTok, part of informing it. Um, and our channels are now growing out of gaming. We've got some really exciting announcements coming up as it relates to you know other channels and other verticals that we're pursuing. But at the end of the day, you know TikTok does not monetize unless you turn your own channel inventory yourself. Mm-hmm. But when that changes... 
-hmm. And TikTok says, okay, we have brands that are going to buy inventory from, you know, X, Y, and Z over the next 30 days. And to the extent that we've got $4 billion in ad buy, right? Mm. That's the style of transaction that we can see TikTok transitioning towards. And Mm. so the idea is you grow your community, you double down on community. And that's what TikTok is all about. They nurture us. They wrap their arms around Game Lancer because our whole methodology is grow a network, serve videos the network likes, and then just keep doing that over and over and don't stop. And mm-hmm. always observe what the algorithm is telling you. So as you have a bigger network, you have a bigger uh, test uh, pool to sample from in order to understand which videos are performing better. So mm-hmm. as the network grows, you get better, which allows us to continue to outscale the competition. Yeah, it's so good, man. It's exciting. I love uh, I love hearing from you on this subject and it's a fascinating conversation to have and it's exciting what you guys have built so far, where you're going in the future, of course. And uh, I appreciate you taking some time today. It's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. Everybody, hey, I know you love the episode. Uh, Make sure to go check Game Lancer out. Uh, The website, John, can you give that real quick just so they can learn more? Of course, the accounts. Yeah, go to gamelancer.com. If you have TikTok, even if you don't, you don't need an app. Sorry, you don't need an account. You can just download the TikTok app, TikTok app and just organically scroll. Uh, we own marquee handles at gaming, at gamer, at egirl. Uh, if you want to see some of our live uh, RBC activations at the moment, go to at joybox, uh, both on TikTok uh, and Instagram. Cool. Uh, and we got a lot of Snapchat channels too. I love it. Hey, everybody, make sure you share this episode. I know it was a great one. Thanks for being here. And John, thanks for the time today. My pleasure. Thank you.